in your Bibles tonight. It's so good to see you tonight. And uh, I'd like to compliment the ladies on a job well done in the ladies' fellowship meeting yesterday. Uh, 54, I think, ladies was in attendance and they had a good meeting, well organized. And my daughter-in-law and all of her helpers did such a great job and whoever you were to invest in that, I thank you so very much. Our ladies need that sweet, sweet fellowship. They need to get together and uh, gossip, I mean, uh, fellowship a little bit and uh, have a good time in the Lord. Amen. My wife spoke on... Uh, what a wonderful time it was when she married me several years ago. And I was up all night teaching her the lesson, giving her the outline. All right. In your Bibles tonight, uh, for just a few moments, to the book of Judges, please. Judges, chapter number 2. And uh, I would like to say to you tonight that if you're here and I'm preaching to you, I did not know you'd be here. So don't get mad at me if I were to say something that might uh, affect you a little bit tonight. Because I hope to say something that will affect all of us. Every one of us. We want to read now out of the book of Joshua. I mean jo Judges chapter number 2. The context is God has delivered Israel out of bondage. And after 11 days journey from Egypt to Kadesh Barnea, 11 days, 11 days, the nation of Israel was looking over the Jordan River to the land of Canaan. And because of their disobedience, worldliness, and failure to obey God, God turned them around in the wilderness, killed every one of them, above the age of 20, and for 40 years, God's people have wandered in the wilderness under the leadership of Moses. They have arrived again after 40 years over at Kadesh Barnea, looking over the river at Jericho. Joshua has now taken command. Moses is dead. And after several years, the people of God have conquered Canaan. Thirty-one kings have been killed as a result of the military campaigns. They're in the land. And Joshua is about to die. And in Judges chapter number 2, the Bible says, And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Now, let me assure your heart God will always keep his word. Now we will not, but God always will. If there is a covenant broken, it's because we broke it, not God. He said, I will not break the covenant. 
And the Bible said, And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. Nine tribes is mentioned in chapter 1. Nine tribes of Israel that failed to drive out all the inhabitants of the land. And the Canaanites are still dwelling with the Israelites in Canaan. And God said, I want you to utterly drive them out. Drive them all out. Don't make any leagues with them. Don't marry them. Don't go into business with them. Drive them out. Now, they are disobedient and have not driven all of them out. And the Bible said, And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. Ye shall throw down their altars. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? The all-knowing, omniscient God asks a question. Why have you failed to do what I asked you to do? You knew what I wanted. It was plain as the nose on your face. Yet you did not drive them out. Why have you done this? Probably God looks at some of our lives tonight and wonders why we are doing what we're doing and not doing what we should be doing. Could I have an amen? Okay. Glad we're all just people, all right? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out far from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice and wept full of sorrow heartbroken because they had disobeyed God but that's all they did was weep because they went right back doing the same thing they were doing before verse 5 and they called the name of that place Bochum and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. You know, if you read the Bible, it's amazing what God shows us as we read his word. Yesterday I was reading my word, and God showed me three grandkids. And they showed up, and that was the end of my Bible study. Ah! I had more fun with him and I wasn't reading the Bible than him. Could I please take this verse not out of its context? Maybe lift it, if you would please, from Israel and apply the principle to us tonight. Now watch this in verse 3. Wherefore, I also said, 
I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides. You know, so and so, they're a pain in the neck or some other part of your anatomy. Have you ever heard that? My kids have become a real pain. My boss, my employer, my supervisor, uh, uh, seem like he is just a real pain. And as I look around today and I, I see what's going on in our homes, uh, at our workplaces, in our government, it looks as though God... Uh, has maybe given us a few thorns in the side because of our lack of obedience to Him. Think about it, if you would, please. As our pastor said this morning, this world's a mess. And it doesn't have to be a mess. Notice, if you would, please, I'll just show you a little bit about, in verse number 1, we notice the messenger here. The Bible talks about an angel of the Lord. And then down in verse 4, the angel of the Lord. Who is our messenger this evening? Somebody says, well, it's just another angel from heaven. Well, now, I want you to note the verse, and I want you to be very careful. Verse number 1, and an angel of the Lord... And the angel of the Lord came into Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt. In other words, an angel did that or did the Lord Jesus do that? This is a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ to the nation of Israel to tell them, I'm fixing to give you a pain you ain't going to get over. The Lord appeared unto the children of Israel in the form of an angel. You say, well, it could be an angel, but I thought angels were spirits. This one has a body. And the only one of the Godhead that ever had a body is the Lord Jesus. And this is a pre-incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to appear and he came as a messenger. Notice now the message in the latter part of verse 1. I brought you up out, uh, uh, out of the land that I swear unto you and your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. So the angel assures them that he did the delivering. The angel assures them that he will never, never forsake his word, never break his word, never defunct a, a covenant. And he says, I am the one that delivered you, and I'm the one that will keep my word. Notice, thirdly, God's demands in verse 2. Now what's this? I want to ask you, is this a suggestion or a demand? Verse 2, he says, And ye shall make no league 
And by the way, that's not little, middle, or big league. (laughs) That was supposed to be funny for you folk who didn't think it was so funny. (laughs) Amen. If I'd have been there, I'd have said on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And you shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. Ye shall throw down their altars. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Directly. Intentionally. Belligerently. Disobeying God's direct command. After the deliverance from Egypt. After the substance and the, and the care throughout 40 years of wilderness. Of the miracle of the Red Sea. The miracle of the water from the rock. The miracle of feeding a three and a half million folks every single day in the wilderness. You realize how much water it would take for three and a half million folks a day. Imagine, and their animals, what a miracle, what a provision, what a miraculous moving God. And here he says, I cannot believe that you did not obey me. Have you as a parent ever just pulled your hair out and said, God, why did you get me an idiot for a kid? You say, who are you talking to? I I guess Andrew's mother. (laughs) Have you ever just come to the end of yourself and say, why in God's name did you do what you did? You know what I asked you to do. You know what I told you not to do. Why in the world did you do that? Have you ever felt that way? Then you know how God feels with the nation of Israel. He said, I don't understand why you have done this. Your disobedience, God says, will be punished. And while you're in the land, worshiping their gods, bound at their altars, doing the things that they do, your blessings that you feel are blessings will turn into burdens. I will see to it that what you think you really want, when you get it, you will not really want it. You say, when I got married, it was forever. And she come up with a different idea several years into the deal. You got what you wanted. But did you really want what you got? Now, now don't get mad at me. Because it won't do you a bit of good. I'm sold now. I don't care if you get mad or not. And if you told me you were mad, I'm so old, I wouldn't realize you just told me. So don't waste your time. Baptist, you may get what you want, but I'm not sure you're going to want what you got. I want you to think about that now for just a little bit tonight. What have we allowed to become 
thorns in our sides. What have we done to cause all of this? The question is, why on earth did you do this? God looks almost in utter amazement and said, why have you done this? Can you imagine if the kids had seen any beer in your refrigerator and then we wonder why our kids think it's all right to drink ever occasionally. I wonder tonight if maybe we've allowed some things to go on in our life that one of these days the chickens are going to come home to the roost and it'll appear as thorns in our side that very uncomfortable, very irritating, if you please, even to the upsetting of the entire household or church. Oh, think about it if you would, please. You say, preacher, won't you let Andrew preach every Wednesday Sunday night? Well, I'm getting there. Well, those unsaved friends won't hurt my kids. After all, they're not selling drugs. That music won't mess with my kid's mind. No, I know it. But it might keep your kids from having the mind of Christ. I just wonder, maybe God says, I just cannot believe it. I I don't understand how that your faithfulness to church all of these years has now turned to faithlessness. Because you don't believe God can supply your need according to His riches and glory. So you're going to help God do it. You're not going to like the outcome. You say, you're talking to me. Say what? Are you here? Parents? Christians? How many thorns in the sides of good people have walked into my office over the past 50-some years and said, my wife just told me she hates my guts. Thorns. Preacher, would you come and visit my kid? He's down at the jailhouse. Preacher, would you talk to the district attorney about my kid? What did he do? Well, he just broke in the schoolhouse and was messing around in the school. They didn't take anything. He just done the dumb thing. But now they're going to nail him for being an habitual criminal. 25 years. Oh, he's 16, 17, just snotty-nosed kid. How do you think that felt in daddy's side? What do you think it did to mama's side? I'd like to make this serious business if it would be all right with you. I'd like for you to know tonight that God is real. And God's word is real. 
And God's word is true. And God said, I will not ever break my word and break my covenant with you. Now, you may break it with me, but you're not going to like what takes place when it all comes to finality. Can you imagine, if you would please, for just a moment tonight, uh, you know, even today's people that are disobedient to God in the smallest of things, they think now. But to God, it's not a small thing. Little sin, big sin, it's all what Christ died for. And be sure you'll not want what sin gives you in the final analysis. Little kids often, when I was in evangelism, used to walk up and I would be shaking hands with people and, and without hurting my feelings, they'd, Preacher, what's those wires in your mouth? I said, that's what's keeping my brain attached to the rest of my head. And we go on with that. I didn't tell that they had been eradicated by folks who were going to be dentists in several years. You be sure any amount of disobedience to God he remembers can I help you just a little bit tonight even today people disobedience has become thorns in our sides notice 4 and 5 verses 4 and 5 as we hurry along and I want to close and it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto the children of Israel, that the people lifted up the voice and wept. Oh, I've sat in living rooms and bedrooms and hospitals and jailhouses on the roadside and everywhere you can imagine. I've won a lot of people to the Lord in the bathroom at the place I used to work. <laughs> That's the only place the bosses never did come. That's a good place to preach. And I want several of the people of the Lord in the bathrooms. And uh, you'd be surprised uh, all the conversations I've had. And I've seen this kind of repentance and came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words. And all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice and wept. You say, preacher, they had to be sorry. They're just sorry they got caught. didn't last long. Didn't last two or three verses. How many folks have we seen walk these aisles, preacher, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, blah, 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 and get their hog bin, put it over the shoulder and take it right back with them, and they live in it all week long. Preacher, I know what you're saying is true, but uh, I, after all, I, I, I just think this would be better. Well, that'd be all right, that'd be all right. Just when the thorns start sticking you, you call me, I'll, I'll remind you of it. You know why? Because true repentance don't go back to the hog pen. Sorrow will take you back to the hog pen as soon as you get over your sorrow. But now notice, I want to show you something. I, I, want, to, I want to make a statement tonight. Consider with me some of the painful thorns people have had in their sides due to disobedience. Hey, you know, you're sitting in a church, 34 years, never had a split. We've had a constant splinter. 
Now, you know why we've had a constant splinter? Because of the preaching. We've had folk come in here wanting to take over. We've had folk come in here having their own ideas. We've had folk come in here and say, well, a better way to do this. But you know what? It's God's way or the highway. You listen to me? You know why we don't have thorns in our side? Because they're not here. We preached the gospel. We preached separation. We preached the second coming. We preached doctrine. We've taught and taught over these years. And did you know that in the Bible there is no set pattern for church administration? Did you know there's no place in the Bible that talks about a pulpit committee? All of that stuff is something somebody else has dreamed up. Well, we don't dream around here. We believe the Bible. And the reason we don't have any thorns in our flesh is because they already left. You say, well, you don't have to be so mean. I'm just being honest. We ain't got time to argue about how many how is going to take to paint the nail in the primary department. Especially when we get ready to paint, there ain't nobody got a paintbrush. Can you imagine in my first church just how silly some things that took place? The treasurer told me when I went there, the 26-year-old boy that had hair plumbed down to here, didn't have enough brains to get out of the road. He told me right up front, I'm the treasurer of this church. Okay? And he said, I am not happy without I got something to complain about. So for two years, I kept him happy as he could be. Then I fired that sucker. You say, wow, you don't, you're not supposed to be like that. When we come to church, it's to worship, preach the gospel, sing, praise God, and have a good time. We don't need to be fighting over how many folks is in the primary department. I took a church down in Waco, and a fella came to me, and he worked at Walt. We worked at, at Dairy Queen cooking hamburgers. And I changed the Sunday school around and he said, now look, preacher, I want you to know, they can't, that won't work. He was a Sunday school superintendent, you know, that won't work. I said, uh, brother, let me ask you to do me a favor. I won't tell you how to cook hamburgers if you don't tell me how to build a church. That pain in my side left real quick. You say, you're terrible. I know, that's reading it. I turned it over to Andrew. You can't get mad at Andrew because he has nothing to do with this. But you know why your church ain't walking around with pains somewhere in the anatomy? Because that mixed multitude ain't here. Because we're not bowing down to their altars. 
We come to worship God and to praise God, exalt God, preach the word, sing his glorious praises, get people saved, send missionaries to the foreign field, support them on a regular basis and not back out when you say you're going to do something and build buildings and run buses and get people saved. And when they shut down our bus ministry, I bet you think we're out of business. Not really. Because we had 40 some kids in a mobile home park today being preached to by none other than Dr. Archer. Amen, Brother Archer? Amen on the doctor, amen on the preaching. Which one? (laughs) Isn't it good to go to church and not have to worry about somebody mad all pouted up like a toad frog with a hand grenade in her hand. Thank God. And so I thank God tonight that we've not bowed down to that mixed multitude. You know how you get to be a member of Joshua Baptist Church? Saved, baptized. Did you hear me? Saved and baptized by a Baptist preacher into a Baptist church for the glory of God. Can you say amen? And that's the only way you get in. You don't get in here and just take over and start singing in the choir and telling Brother brother Sean how dumb he is by not knowing the pattern. Do you know the pattern? Huh? What was it? I saw one guy leading it the other day this way. Where was it? Didn't we see that? Where? Oh, yeah. Brother Roy, Brother Reed, my friend. But I didn't teach him the pattern, all right? But I learned the pattern when I was in school. But uh, uh, we, just, we, just, we just don't have all them pains in our side around the church. But you know where we have them? I mean, let him give it to you right quick. We have them in our home. And we have them with our kids. Kids grow up. To be what you train them to be. And training don't stop when they get to be teenagers. No still works while they're still teenagers. And if you've got any 27-year-old occupants in your basement... No should still work. How many suffering parents, good parents, well-meaning parents, faithful to church parents, have children that is a thorn, a heartbreak, a tear-bringing rascal in their life. Our children can be thorns in our sides. David, my other red-headed boy, one day came to me and handed me the keys to my truck. I said, David, why are you doing that? He said, well, I really don't need to be driving. I don't guess. I said, what happened? He said, well, when I come in the driveway a little while ago, I was coming a little fast. 
hit the brake and thought I hit the brake but hit the gas and I run right through the side of the house and your truck's sticking in the bedroom. <laughs> Ouch! Oh! Oh! Gene Jr. Late at night. I didn't even know the phones worked that late. Daddy, come and bring cash. <laughs> really? Yeah, they don't take credit cards down here. I said, what's wrong? Couldn't you outrun them? He said, no. Oh, ouch. Is anybody here? I said, is anybody here? No, I've not raised perfect kids, but God has been so good to let me raise good kids. Kids, children, can be thorns in our side. God tells us specifically how to raise our children. Godly kids very seldom come from heathen homes. Listen to me. Heathen homes very seldom produce godly kids. The IRS calls our children dependence. Do you have any idea why? Because they're dependent upon their parents for raising them. They are dependent, if you please, intellectually. Now, all kids don't have the same intellect. Bear is quoting verses I didn't know till I was 50 years old. How old is Bear? Four. We were over at the house the other day and Bear was running around. He's in the way. Dear Lord, if anybody can get in the way, Bear can. He just, and he wants to sit in his granddad's back pocket. We were sitting there and he flipped his pocket and some cards hit the ground. And I said, Bear, what are those? I thought maybe he'd taken up gambling, knowing his daddy. He said, no, 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 those are my school cards. I said, school cards? He said, yeah. And he picked them up and I handed them in. He looked at it and had verses to be memorized. And then it had the, the alphabet and the phonetics and the sounding for those, those, those letters. How old did you say he was? He's a little over two. I said, Bear, what is this? He said, those are my letters and phonetics. I said, do you know them? Now he's four years old. And he takes those letters. said, little a, big a, and did the phonetic sound. He's four. And then he memorized and quoted verbatim three verses out of the Bible. He's four. 
But it makes no difference how intelligent they are or what kind of IQ they may have. They're still dependent on parents intellectually. It's up to me to know what my kids need to know intellectually. Not the atheistic, communistic, socialistic school system. The IRS thinks that your children are dependent socially. All of Andrew's life and most of Mandy's. Mandy kind of lost all sanity for several years. And then she made me and Mama lose ours. But kids are dependent upon parents to raise them intelligently and socially. All of his life has been controlled which adults he can be around and ones he cannot be around. From this big till this big. I tried to teach him socially how to behave in public, how to respond in public. Oh, how many parents I've talked to over these many, many years. Preacher, my kid is about to drive me crazy. Thorns. You say, mine won't do that. Why? They got chrome belly buttons? Something special about yours? They're blue bloods, are they? Yours will never try to get away with anything. I even know a guy who is a triple play artist, and you got to watch him like a hawk. (laughs) Oh, I just woke him up. Kids are dependents. And what you allow will come back to haunt you if you're not careful. I can't get over mamas letting little girls dress like Minnie Mouse. Short skirts, long socks. Don't you think it worked better? Long dress, short socks. Say, now the ladies is going to be thorns in your side. As if I cared. Your kid's more important to me than what you think of me. But if we're not careful, children need a lot of help growing up. Do they not? They need parents to help them grow up. Well, I don't want to force my kids to go to church. Have, Have you ever heard that? 
Have you ever heard that? I, I, I just, I'm just not going to force religion on my kids. I wonder if that work about going to school. Well, I'm just going to make my kid go to school because I just don't want them to have to operate under rigid rules. You think that'd work? How about brushing their teeth? Then you go to the dentist when they get about 17. You say, oh, we should have made them scrub their teeth. You got something loose over them. I'm flying out in the yard. <laughs> that happens all the time to me every time I'm sitting over there. Well, I'm just not going to force my kids to do anything. Radio commentator several years ago was telling a story on his radio broadcast. And he said and was talking about the story of an angry father. And the angry father looked at his son and said, why don't you grow up? This 12-year-old boy said, Daddy, that's what I'm trying to do. And then what they're trying to do? Daddy, they need help. Mama, they need help. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't take care of them, you're not going to like what the thorns are going to be. Man, I'd be scared to death to raise kids today in which we live. I see kids not even big enough to dial having a telephone. You say, well, they need a telephone because what if they get in trouble? Well, what if you're there? They won't get in trouble. If they're going to go play ball, you go go play ball with them. I just, I thought this would be better than it is, but... That's the best I've got tonight. Children, children need help growing up. Amen? Amen. Remember men in evangelism going home, Gene and David. As soon as I got off an airplane, one of them would say, Daddy, please, no white walls. And they hated to get a haircut back in those days. So Gene showed me, he said, I'll show you. You're not telling me what to do. I'm joining the Marines. I did not raise too many smart kids, but that one did not come up to bait. He'd call me from North Carolina, <laughs> laying out there in them swamps and them coon dogs out there in the woods, treeing them coons, and he'd say, Daddy, Daddy, can you hear what I'm listening to? You may like what you get. But you may not like what it turns out to be. Israel, you didn't burn down the altars. Israel, you didn't run them out of the land. Now you've married with them. Now you're living with them. Now you're worshiping their gods. And now you have forsaken me. So, I'm not going to run them out for you. I'm not going to make sure they get, get out of town. I'm going to let what you allowed to be thorns in your side. Children need our help.